Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. Real estate experiment. What is happening, y'all? Today, I have the pleasure of meeting the man across the screen from me here. We got Jim Monk in the lab, but also in his closet. Literally, like if you're if you're listening to this and you don't see it, this this is like great marketing one on one. As you guys know, we literally just rolled out Digital Assets Thursday, and I think this is one of the best marketing, uh, uh, I guess, presentations I've seen in a while. So, Jim, the founder of Closets. Welcome in the lab right out of your very own closet. It is a pleasure to have you. What's going on, my man? It's going great. Actually, I'm excited to be on here and more importantly, stepping outside of uh, our closet into your lab. It's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You're throwing up an alley-oop already. So listen, this <laughs> is fascinating. So I was saying this off the air and you are a true embodiment of an experiment because in no way I would have thought of closets as a way to do value add and i'm thinking like I, i'm so curious to hear how did you stumble across this one and you know what problem are you solving how did you even carve a place in the market for this because i have to be honest maybe it's me maybe i'm the ignorant one but i haven't this hasn't come up when we talk about value add, people are talking about floors people are talking about this and that yeah. and it makes so much sense but the way you put it into perspective, like, oh, my gosh, like I'm looking at the statistics on your website and I'm like, wow, this really is a true value add. So let's take a step back. First of all, welcome to the lab. But how did this experiment even come out of like, tell me, please. So it's a great way of putting it is actually an experiment. So about three years ago, I was leaving or exiting another company, a manufacturer that I've been involved in and turning them around. And I was sitting down talking to one of my uh, friends, uh, a gentleman by the name of Stephen Bolos. And. Big, big time. Uh, he ran the largest renovation company in multifamily. Uh, it ultimately was acquired by a larger group called Katerra out of uh, California, backed by SoftBank. And I was a passive investor in real estate. And I, I was going through this whole deja vu kind of scenario, which was we've done the hard surfaces, we've done the flooring, we've done the backsplash. And I, and I was asking, I said, what are people doing today? Because the reality is, I can't move the needle anymore on our property. There's just nothing more to be done. I, I don't know what else to do. That's not going to be crazy, ridiculously expensive. Let, let me let me throw that out there. And he said, I don't really know. He said, you know, what? they were doing tens of thousands of renovations. And he said, there's not much that's, you know, what you're talking about is the same problem a lot of people run into. They're in their second, third um, iteration of renovation. And so, yeah, there's not much to be done. And so I thought about it as an entrepreneur, I said, okay, what is the one area of the apartment that has never been touched or no one putting money into? And he came back to me, he said, well, I don't know. Let me think about that. He came back a couple of days later, he said, the closet. And I said, why so? And he said, there's no value in there. And so it got me on this question of, or quest actually of, what if I could present a value add Forget the value add from it. What if I could present a value add that could raise rents two to 5% and a strong ROI over a three to four year period? Because that's what we're all looking for from a formula perspective. We all want that. And so I started researching and talking to others in the industry, really large companies out there, uh, UDR, uh, the Harbor Group, multi-billion dollar 
holding companies and said, what if I, and they said, you know what, we'd, we'd be interested in something like that. And this is all pre-COVID. And this is about two years ago at that point. And I said, what about the closet? What if I was able to present a furniture grade product? Because the reality is the baby boomers and the millennials, they want resort type amenities and they want more storage. The footprint's getting smaller and we're all collecting more stuff. And they said, you know, you know, I don't know if it can support that. You know, that was the question that came about. And I said, well, let's beta test. So when you're talking about being in a lab, we beta tested. We went into Dallas. We went into, our, we're out of Dallas. So we went into our local markets. We went into Houston, Phoenix, and Raleigh, North Carolina. And we found that every one of them saw between a 2 to 5% rent increase, which equates out to our average is between $35 and $50 rent increases per month, post-COVID even now, post-COVID. And so what happened was, as we beta tested these guys, they'd say, well, let's do five to 10 units. Then they'd say, let's do 30 to 50 units. Well, how about we do the whole complex now? Because what they were seeing was justification of these numbers. And what I came down to was, you have these, like myself as an investor, I was looking at what is my improvement on my net operating income? And what is it doing to the asset value of my property? And so one of our largest clients, Nightvest, uh, based out of Dallas here, um, multi-billion dollar portfolio company uh, came in and said, look, you know that we're spending about two hundred fifty dollars to $300,000 on a, on a complete renovation of the closets in the apartments with your units. And we're doing calculations around based on the cap rate and everything. And we think we can see about a $3 million return on a property from a $250,000 investment. And before we knew it, they're saying, can you go into Phoenix? Can you go into Arizona? Can you, can you go into multiple markets? And we said, of course. So that was about a year ago. And since then, we're in six markets and we're growing New Jersey. We're, we're moving into New Jersey. And um, just what happens is as the formula works itself out in certain property sets for our clients, they immediately go, can you put it in this one? Can you do this one? Can you do that one? So that's kind of the evolution of the company was the premise of, could we support rents and could it make business sense, business logic, uh, Ruben? And then can, um, will people buy it? And what we found, a lot of them will go in and say, we have nothing else to do. And our product, what you see right behind me is sub $1,000 installed. So we're talking, because we're the manufacturer, we cut out all the middle people. That was the real key. You know, money that in, you have money to. Yes. I love that because you got some vertical integration thing going in there, which is really interesting. It's one of my favorite things to Very, talk about. So let's absolutely. take a step back. I see you got a smile on your face. I'm telling you, this guy's got a million dollar smile. I love it. So let's take a step back, Jim, because I want to give some context. And then I want to talk about the value at piece in multifamily. That's very important because you said NOI and people are trying to connect dots. What do closets have to do with NOI? Let, we'll get there. But let's, let's, let's take a step back. Let's talk about yeah. your background because we talked about like we subtly said it off off the air, like multiple exits, like you like, yeah, casually. Jim, tell us a little bit because I was trying to look it up and I'm like, hmm, this is very interesting. I mean, this guy's done this before. So tell us a little bit about your other experience with other companies, your other previous exits, because I think that's fascinating to get an idea of who the reflection of the business is, which is you, because I do believe a great operator runs a great business. So give us some background with your previous operations. Absolutely. And what I'll first say to the listeners is um, it's never, well, for me, it's never been a straight path. I every of my, all my exits, each exit has been a different industry, actually, surprisingly. I didn't stay in the same industry. 
um, for various reasons. Some of it was contractual. I couldn't be in the space, but I started out in the financial services in the insurance industry. Okay. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, selling insurance and then started growing a company. And before we knew it, we were in 42 states and uh, 8,000 employees strong and um, was Hold very- on. On, hold on, instance. Jim. Hold on. Hold on. So you, because this is interesting, right? People like there might be an insurance agent who's listening to this. And I know this, like, it's, again, a great industry. When you say you started your own insurance agency, Jim, was, was, is that what it was? Or like you partnered or you, like, it, did you go it out was on an agency? Yeah. So it was an agency that grew into uh, a, a bigger marketing company for insurance product. And we, we sold other companies insurance. And then we got big enough that we became our own insurance company. And that's where you control your own destiny. And we were partnering with, to kind of give, I'd love to tell the story. Yeah, when please. the market was really hot in 2004, five, six, and seven, we partnered with home builders. And we'd go into home builders and say, look, as rent, as owners come in to buy property, you know, buy a home, let's sell them a mortgage protection policy. Let's sell them an insurance policy to protect that mortgage. And we partnered with some of the nation's largest companies and generated our activity through that. So, so smart. strategic partnerships. Exactly right. So I tend to not try to reinvent the wheel, uh, even though I feel like I'm doing that today, but I'm working off the chassis of, a, of a, an industry that's well-defined. No, I mean, you just said it. You're working off an industry that's well-defined. Multifamily is a well-defined industry. So no, I'm, see, I'm connecting the dots. Folks, I'm trying to connect the dots. All right, tell us about the other one because this is very interesting. Uh, what were uh, the other exits? I think you had like maybe two or three, if I'm yep. correct. So three. So the second one was a, a technology company. And what I found out is some of the things that you learn later. So we, as we got bigger in the insurance company, we decided to get into uh, creating our own leads. We, you know, we just were so hungry. We recognized that, um, we recognized that the builders would only keep up with so much, but there were so many other people out there, you know, buying properties and stuff. And, you know, it was basically how can you get in front of those who are buying just a home in general? Maybe they're not walking through the door of the builder I'm working with. Maybe they're working with another builder, not in my network. So we decided to build multiple websites in this early on when there, when SEO was a very new term and Google and all this. And so we had a, a complete team that was doing search engine optimization. Uh, we were capturing up to about 60,000 leads a month uh, throughout the country, just big numbers. And what we realized was that this is a, a machine and a company that came in that acquired us, um, they bought the company. And about a year later, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd moved on, you know, I'd exited. Uh, I realized pretty quickly that they weren't interested in the home builders. Actually, a number of companies, a number of the people in the company called me and said, you know, they, they don't care about the home builders. It's the data, isn't it? It's the data and they want the lead generation and they're yeah. going to put it in a call center. And I just was like, like, wow, that's ingenious. Put in a call center. So my non-compete was for, you know, eight years. So I couldn't sell product for eight years. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to take what we learned within that company as far as lead generation. And I'm going to go sell it to other companies and create lead generation for them. So we created a search engine optimization company and ultimately a technology play in um, monitoring of data and everything like that, that, that we exited on a couple of years later after that. Jeez. Wasn't the plan. But that's, that's where I said the roads, it turns and you have to be able to rise to it and capture it as quickly as you can and recognize what it is. 
Okay, so that was number two, if I'm counting, right? That's correct. And third number one? three, number three was another company that after I exited that one, um, a friend of mine came to me and said, "Look, I'm trying to get my manufacturing company to 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 help um, uh, grow it. It had been very stagnant and everything, and uh, it had been doing a slow decline. So I came in with with him." revamped it up. It really just needed a lot of TLC, a lot of modernization. And the, you know, it was a great company, but it was complacent. It was just, they were small and they were just complacent and took that company, grew it really fast over four years, tripled the size of the company from 10 million to about 38 million, uh, almost $40 million. And then exited on that one uh, with him and everything. And that led me into where I'm at today with closets which I was looking for. I was looking to stay in multifamily as a passive investor, do some things, um, be a dad, do just do a number of things. And it was a simple conversation that really piqued my curiosity. And as I looked at it, I said, you know, if there are competitors out there, they're selling too expensively. So the multifamily industry can't afford it. They can't make the numbers work. They don't understand multifamily or they're coming into it and saying, look, it's a really beautiful product. And it's all about the beauty. And let's be real about it. It comes down to dollars and cents. Yeah, absolutely. It has to work. I mean, it might be the most beautiful thing in the world, but if I can't make the dollars and cents work, I'm just going to say no, Yeah. you know? And so that's what led, led us to where we're at today. Oh, don't worry. We're going to dive deep in this. This is, this is so interesting because I was having this conversation with a friend uh, yesterday who's you know operating i guess he's got a lot of things on his plate and um a good tip is one of my good friends also tells me is another business owner had an exit and he's like you know the first business doesn't have to be the home run business and That's and right. sometimes we think that like oh man this has to be the one who takes us to the moon i was just saying that to like you know, look at Elon Musk, right? Like PayPal then oh, went on to, right? So, and I think that's important for entrepreneurs because sometimes they're like, no, this has got to be it. And it's got to be, no, it could be a stepping stone to another business. And it's so funny that you're coming on and you're saying this because you're literally saying, now I'm back in real estate and I came full circle. And it's just, it's just hitting me. This, this is personal guys. I'm saying, uh, this is Jim, you're bringing things full circle already, but I, I needed to highlight that because I think one thing I have to ask you is, as our listeners as entrepreneurs, whether we're in the real estate space or not, we're solving problems, we're identifying demand. And I'm curious as to what is the thing and whether you have a name for it or even think about it, maybe it just comes as second nature, but what is a, a framework that you think you, you, you use when you look at opportunity? Because clearly you're doing a really good job, whether you realize it or not, or unconsciously or subconsciously, I should say. Right it's happening. So do you, yeah. can you reflect and maybe think, Oh, you know what? I think that's those, that's the common denominator. So I would say the framework is a really great way of approaching this. So I'm a process guy. I'm an ops guy ultimately. And so for myself, uh, when I look at, I try to look at the, the end goal first. So whenever I was going on buying a house uh, or when we're doing the insurance play, it was, Hey, there are a lot of people walking through the doors of these homes here. How can I capture their homeowner's insurance? And then, then it was, no, no, no. How can I capture a more profitable piece of the business from them? And it's because there's a lot of people trying to sell the same thing. And so how can I differentiate? And so for me, it's always about the end goal. And so for the technology company, as an example, uh, Transgility, that was the name of that company. We came in and we said, or I came in and said, what they bought us for was for this 
they were able to create leads and all companies want leads and they don't know necessarily how to get them or they're trying to get more of them. So why don't we go out there and replicate that and show them lead generation? You know, it's, it's basically the old adage. I can either teach a person to fish and feed them for their life or just give them a fish. And for a lot of companies, they don't have the time to be taught, don't want to, whatever it might be. And so it quickly became, okay, then we'll just hand them the fish every day and they'll keep paying us, you know? And so, you know, with the third company, it, it was different in the sense that it was really framing it out from the perspective of looking at where their customer base was today and saying, okay, you've been in business for 40 years, but the world's changed, you know? And, and what I always tell people is, Hey, you know, I, I'd, I'd talk to salespeople and I'd say, look, has this, this cell phone here, this, this has changed the world. And this has changed the last 15 to 18 years. And if you're still pulling up a dial up, or you're faxing stuff, that, that market's dying, whether you know it or not, it's going away. And so it was about how to approach the market differently and get to their customer base or potentially their new customers. So you brought up a really great example. That company, which was in the adhesives industry, hadn't really approached the automotive industry. They'd done some work in the uh, aircraft industry. It's like, look, those are blossoming industries. Why aren't you in there? Well, they're kind of complicated. Well, not really. If you really take some dives into it, it, it wasn't that much. And that's their biggest marketplace today is uh, automotive and aircraft. And so for closets, the same approach, the framework was like, what, so if everyone's done everything, what else is even left? That, that was what I kept asking myself. What in the four walls of the unit is it left to be done that, you know, what can I do differently? And, you know, and the reality is, and not to segue back into closets, but that's the framework. And, and I, as I talk about it, the demographics have to play there. You know, timing is a real critical thing on all this, as you know. And, you know, when you have HGTV and you have the Kardashians, you have all this stuff that people are showing their, their blinged out closets and everything. People go, you know what? I want that. I, I, I want that. I might be able to afford that, but I want my little slice of, of heaven or my, my palace. And that's one of the things that really drives me in this is that especially pre-COVID, post-COVID, people are on lockdown now. People have to stay in their apartments and work from home and shelter in place. Those four walls get kind of small, you know, they really do. And you want to feel good about the place you're in. That's why we call, we, we, it's one of the things I picked up on a couple of years ago, Ruben, it was interesting. I used to, when I used to rent, I used to call myself, I'm a renter, I'm a renter. Today, what do we call our, our people? Residents. Why? Because they're home. It's, a, it's the residents. It's the community. It's all these other things. So, so powerful. So powerful. You, you brought that full circle too. And it's crazy. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm taking notes. I really am because that's what we do. And it's fascinating because I think it's important. We talk about experiment. That's it. You're taking the data and you're looking at what's in front of you and you're saying, okay, what is there? What is, what, where are the gaps in the marketplace? You talked about the device right? All of the devices that we have, even our cell phones, they're updating, they're changing. I mean, we oh, I need to adapt along the way or else you end up like Xerox or, or, you know, like, uh, <laughs> exactly right. And, and, and that's one of the things that I, I do find that is when I behind the scenes, even I, I, I'll dive into a little bit of the philosophy. I, I will say, look, you know, the challenge with the industry is that it's, it's, it's not complacent. It's um, oh, what's the word I use? The, the word I use is conditioned. It's conditioned mm. to say, this is the way it is. These are the way I get my numbers. And 
truly for us, the ideal clients are the ones who are spearheading this. They're taking advantage of this. I, I literally, we've had calls where prospective clients will call us and say, look, I know when I shop that property down the street, your client is getting the installs right now. I know what they're charging and they're beating us out right now. Can we get the closet system in here? Hmm. And you can just almost hear frustration, but at the same point in time, a solution, you know, and you're, you're going, absolutely, we can help you out. But it's very interesting to see how we have grown and a lot of it word of mouth and a lot of it through internal uh, referrals of the clients. But just as people shop each other and look at the amenity sets and so forth, we were ripping out wire racking that's been put into right now into a building that was built six months ago. Built six months ago, ripping out the wire racking. And, and that's what I tell people not to get full circle on things, but you know, this is, I'll grab it. I'll grab something here. I'll show you. This is what we fight every day. This is mm. what we see day in, day out. This is utilitarian. It works, but it's not going to raise your rents. The product and, behind me will raise the rents because it's a furniture what, grade product. And what would you call that? What you just held in the camera? That was a wire. That's wire racking. So that if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, Jim was showing the wire racking. That's like the good old grills that you see that again, yeah. not our, not our high level, right? That's the point that's you're right. trying to make, right? It's not appealing. And that's one thing that you said, everyone wants a piece of the action in the marketplace. And I want it to look like what I see on TV. So let's deep dive into the uh, value add because now we have full context to who the, the, the mad scientist is behind all these experiments. That's Jim Monk right here with me live. And, and it's amazing what you did. And I, I want to say something that you said, the keyword, and I'm going to use this. We are conditioned to look at things one way, like, oh yeah, value add this. This is what most investors are doing. And you're not reinventing the wheel, but you're reconditioning the model. I'm like, wow. I'm like, that's so the, just so interesting. So the one, one of the things I tell our people internally here is, look, the taxi service has been around for a hundred years. It, it, it worked. It was great. Then Uber came along and disrupted it. And actually I consider us disruptive, you know, because of that conditioning. And so, cause we're an on-demand product and we'll talk about that here a little bit later, but we're like an Uber. We're a platform. We're going out there. We're servicing a certain way, but Uber didn't create the taxi services. They just figured out a new way to, to spin it into how the consumer today wants to work. And then with devices like this and, and different things, everything lined up timing. It's, it's so critical. Yeah. So let's talk about the quintessential value adds that we hear, right? And you might be able to help me on this, right? So in real estate, in, in commercial real estate, just so we're very clear, uh, one way, if you're listening, is you're still trying to connect the dots. One way that we add value is by, uh, or excuse me, increase the property's value is by um, doing value add, right? So most people can change the cabinets, they can change the floors, they can, you know, and, and one thing that Jim was saying is that, they did the, the, the typical changes in most of their properties and they were looking at what else can we do to squeeze the juice because this asset is there. And as right. we know, in commercial real estate, we can increase the value. It's, it's not based on comps like residential. It, it, whatever you're able to charge for and people are willing to, to rent for, that increases your gross operating income, which then grosses your net operating income, hopefully if you're doing all the right things. Um, so 
bringing it full circle, you identify this niche in the marketplace, this demand. And I want to pull out some facts that I saw on your website. I'm like, what? It literally says the top deciding factor, 70% of renters said closet space is a top deciding factor, which I was blown away. Great website, by the way, you guys got to check it out. Closets.com. If you're listening to this, 49% of people would pay an additional $75 a month with more storage space. And then this is a key one. Ladies and gentlemen, 70% of women said they would fall in love with a residence that had more closet storage space. That's from Trulia.com. The other resources are multifamilyexecutive.com and landlordology.com. Those numbers to me are very important and you can't ignore them. So now let's talk about, I want to go back to that key number you said. Like the the increase, 2 to 5%? Is that what we're really talking about? Yeah, as an average, our client in the marketplace today sees between a 35 and 50%, depending on what class of property, either an A or B. So, you know, we, we've done some work in C's, but typically you're seeing it in the B's that want to migrate up or the A properties. And it's between a 35 to 50% rent increase. And uh, that's our average throughout the, the country, actually. Okay, tell us about your the process. So that's a great question. So when a client recognizes or a prospective client recognizes that this is something that they want to look at, the very first thing that we do, and you, you, know, you talk about numbers and all this, we actually have a calculator that will say, look, if you've got X number of units and you, and we do the formulas and the way it works is we will get the, the layouts from the ownership or the, the uh, management company. They will basically say, here's the layouts or here, we just kind of did a real quick walk through and measure out the closets. We then have our internal design team at no cost, design them, do the layouts to optimize the space. So we do it free of charge. Then what happens is that allows us to know what the pricing is going to be. And we have defined pricing for each of the items you see that each of the SKU sets and so forth. And so what we do then is say, here's the pricing. Here's how many units you have. Here is what the total investment would be. And know, and know this, we're either doing what we call a big you know, kind of big bang. So we're blowing out all the units occupied and unoccupied, but most of our clients, this is one that's very interesting. And and this one of the things that makes us very unique in the marketplace is an on-demand process. So we do it on the make ready or the turns. So as residents leave, then we're going in and we're installing or we're shipping the product directly to the client. We have clients that do their own self-fulfillment and what they're doing on this is that we will do the design work we will ship them the product every month and they will have their either uh, maintenance team or uh, their local sub do the installations for them to lower the cost point because we're the manufacturer. We just want to sell the product ultimately. And so for us, what happens in that scenario is we have videos in English and in Spanish and in written format uh, on assembly and install. So we did that because a lot of our clients say, Hey, we want to do it. Or, or, we always like say, we can do it for you. You can do it, you know, or uh, do it yourself. Gosh, I can't believe you're saying this. It's like, he, he's looking into my soul. The reason I'm saying that is we have an agency and we have a do it done for you. And we're literally transitioning into, we'll do it. You can do it for yourself, do it yourself. So the fact that you said that just resonate. And I think what's really key too, is you're, you're building out like, essential training, right? It's, I mean, it's their yes. SOPs, right? Um, exactly right. Standard operating procedures for those who don't know. Gosh, <laughs> yes. You're speaking my language. Guy. I'm telling you, so, man. 
There's a connection so, here. But this, wow, this is fascinating. So I, I, I have so many questions, but I want you to finish through. So, so you're doing the designing, and I read somewhere on on, on your website because we do a deep dive, and I looked. It says not two properties are or or um, identical. Identical, right? So you're going yeah. in and you're saying, okay, based on the square footage, you're 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 scoping out the types of model. Now I'm so curious from a scalable business perspective, like, are do you not have you don't have like these cookie cutter, uh, closet kind of models sitting in the manufacturing? Like you're literally designing it and you're customizing. Like how how do you make wow. sure that it's like so from you know a scalability I mean? point of view, this yeah. is, this is, this is brilliant. So the units you see behind me come in three to four different sizes. Mm. We have different widths. So each one of the ones behind me, and I'm pointing up there for those who can't see, we have like an 18 inch, 24 inch, 30 inch, 36 inch. And it's basically like a jigsaw puzzle. And we literally put it together. And it's a floating system. And so I can show you, it floats off the ground about 14 inches mm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll around here so you can see this. This is a big closet. It's got a gap over there of about three inches, and on the wall over here, it's right up against the wall. Hmm. The, you know, so there's a little. It's not always end to end, but we try to get it as optimized as we can so that you know we're we're covering the space and everything. But it it gives us a little forgiveness because we go into all kinds of properties, as you can imagine, properties that are new, properties that are old properties that don't have straight walls. I mean, it's just all over the board. So we have to have a product that's a little bit more forgivable. So our, it's a system. So the system is designed in a way to build a fit, you know, within the unit set that it's going into. Wow. So that's amazing. And and so when you're making that pitch, is it, um, I'm assuming you maybe have some visuals you're saying, Hey, you could kind of pick this kind of model, this kind of model and this kind of model, or is it kind of like, is that how you're getting, giving the customer insight as to what they might be able to right. foreshadow? So for our clients, what we do, we'll be right back. Our prospective clients, we do kind of a good, better, best program. And, you know, and it's based on pricing and we'll give them three different layouts, three different renderings that show 3d models and say, here's what it would look like. And once they sign off on that, then it's a matter of getting either into our scheduling and make sure we have the inventory and we get it to them where they need to and getting our installers in there, or it's shipping them the product. We have clients literally today, almost on a daily basis, we have product shipping out of our warehouses to the clients where they're doing their own self-fulfillment. You know, so uh, it just depends on what their scenario is and, um, you know, but that's, that's what we do. And so, and then we kind of, uh, rinse and repeat that process over and over again with them. And the great part is, and that's some of the things I want to share with your, your listeners is why some of these clients, what we've discovered is why some of these clients do it. It's not always for the rent increase or how they're applying it is way different than I would have thought. And mm -hmm. so, so let me give you some examples. So Tell we us, have clients, I, yeah, yeah. I want, this is, I'm very interested to hear in this. We have clients that want to defer their profits for a year. They don't want to pay out profits. So the, what they'll do is they'll come in and say, let's go ahead and uh, install the closet system. It's a, it, you know, it's a fixed asset because it's literally being bolted to the, you know, the, the structure of the building. So it gives us the ability to, to, to depreciate it uh, depreciate and spend it. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. They can depreciate it out, spend the money and then next year defer it while they're getting the rent increases during that next year. 
And then they can hit that home run that they're looking for, that exit that they're looking for. That's one way that they that they do it. Wow. Wow, so, this, that's, that's genius. It is genius, actually. I, I wish I could say it was ours, but a couple of our clients told us this, and they're like, we're, we're sitting here and going, you know, that's a sales tool right there to let right. people know that they can defer their, their, their profits, depreciate it completely out that year. So they're getting the benefit of tax benefit of that. Yeah. So that's a great idea. Uh, it's one that I'm using on my own personal stuff now because it, 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 it's brilliant. Absolutely. And for our listeners, is that like the cost segregation uh, form, format that, that people are using? Correct. Is, that, is that what people, yeah. So just to look into that, I believe guys, we have an episode on that. Duffy want to have a look at it. I'm st- I still try to wrap my head around it, but there's some experts out complex. there. A little complex. Yes. Uh, there's some experts out there, right? Get people on your team who, who know this, who, again, you can increase, <laughs> you can literally increase on your, uh, your, your net operating income and, and defer it at this, at the, 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 oh my gosh, it's genius. Like it's unbelievable. So it's, I would really tap into that. If you're in the marketplace for it, for something like this, I think the combination of what Jim's company here closets offers and that is a is a really good way to, uh, to, to really maximize your capital. I really, at the end of the day. Right. A couple other ways that they're doing this that, that I, I think are really clever. One is they're doing it on lease ups. They're, mm-hmm. they're, instead of them giving out um, uh, what I would call a uh, free month of rent or something of that nature, what they're doing is they're coming in, they're saying, look, we'll upgrade your closet. Now, why are they doing that? Because if they give that concession to the renter, it's just money that's evaporating. It's, it's going out the door. This way, they're actually improving the property set uh, for them and they're getting the lease up. So they're saying, and it's a way for some of these groups to justify a 3% to 5% rent increase right now, post COVID, is they're saying, look, we're, we're doing upgrades. We're doing small upgrades to your apartment. And so we see that happening more and more. Um, again, very clever marketing uh, you know, aspect of it. Uh, and then the third one we're seeing, probably the biggest growth in it is as a value add in acquisitions. We will walk, I probably walked 40 or 50 uh, complexes this year alone already because we have clients that want us to walk, do the measurements, look at it because they're building us into their financial models already. That's because they already see the success. So as I go to acquire new properties, they're doing it then. Like and that's a pro that's forma really, almost, right? It is. It totally is. <laughs> oh they can, gosh. they can, they can budget it out. They put it into their acquisition costs and their upgrade costs. And in some cases, we are the only upgrade going in if it's a newer property set. Uh, you know, 2015, 2016 properties, they have everything. So we're the we're the product that is going in there to give them that justification. And then the fourth one is, and I think this one's probably a very clever one that I'm I'm gonna hope to see happen more is when property owners are looking to exit. You know, there's, there's this whole aspect of what projects do you, what value add projects are you working on today that will lend itself to the new ownership gaining, you know, traction. So what they will do is they will, you know, contract us to come in and put five to 10 units in. They'll see the rent increase. They will put that on their uh, perspective basically and say, this is a program that we've done that's within these 10 units that's justifying this much in rent increase. And so it's a way to leave, it's a way to show the newship of a new um, concept on new rent increases and leaving meat on the bone for the new ownership. So it's just, it's something there that gives them the ability to grow. So we have 
the benefit of that is we have an existing customer that's doing that and they'll come in and they'll do this. It lends itself to us having a new client and we love it for that reason, but it's brilliant for the ownership, the, the current ownership, because they're actually able to take more money off the table by showing this, they're able to make more money. They can dictate more of a sell price. Fascinating. Uh, I, I, as I'm listening to this, I, I got to ask you, cause I'm, I'm always thinking uh, from a, from a time perspective and, and you talked about on the lease up, how long does it take to set up a, a one unit on an average size closet put to put it together? With our team, two hours. It's designed, it's designed because of that reason, because of the turns, we do not want to be the reason why you cannot lease that property, that unit. So two hours uh, for our clients, I'd say it's about three hours. You know, well, you, once you, they get to, once they get a hang of it, it's pretty simple to, to assemble and install. Yeah, no, what I was going to say, Jim, sorry to interrupt is you could literally have someone still live in a unit and come in, set it up in and out and no problem. We do that all day, every day. We have the, the thing that we, the thing we ask the client to do is can you rip out the wire racking, get your, your maintenance team to, to um, patch and paint if necessary. We can do rip out, but that way we just come in we slam it in basically. And the, you know, the client leaves for work or they're around and you know, the, the resident and we're in and out within two, two and a half hours typically. Yeah, no, I think that was so important, especially in my eyes, because as you as you think about some other value ads per se, is it's it's some people wait until the end of the lease until it's empty for them to do that. Right. And I think the main benefit of this is even while people are there, you can add that benefit, uh, you know, increase that retention rate if anything, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's just there's just so many perks to this. I'm like, what is wrong with this model? What is going on? It's too good to be true, Jim. What is going on? Now, you, you know, know I do want to <laughs> talk to me. What is it? I, our clients will sometimes say, this seems like a no brainer. And I'll tell you something that yeah. we're beta testing right now. So we haven't talked about this a lot. So I'm, I'm putting myself in the chair here because we're getting ready. We have, we're working through it. We have a bank that is willing to lend on this product up to 48 months to 60 months at a three and a half percent interest rate. Uh, we haven't launched this yet. So I'll, I'll tell you, if your listeners want to talk to us, we are very open to this. They're willing to lend on this for 48 months to 60 months at a three and a half percent interest rate unsecured. You heard me. And here's the reason why we have a lot of clients now that will say, we love the product, but we don't have CapEx on this property, but we would love to do it. But we just, we don't have the budget for it right now. So it got me thinking about a year ago, it's taken about a year to build out the product and we're getting ready to launch it. Uh, we got the bank, everything's lined up. And we said, look, it has to be unsecured because the primary lien holders on these, on these properties, the, the primary bankers or the, the institutions that are financing them, they're not going to want a secondary lien on this property. It, yeah. it won't go. It won't exactly. fly. So it has to be unsecured. And so we have the ability now, uh, as of two weeks ago, we have not launched yet because we're kind of holding on going, okay, we need, we need people that are willing to beta test and grow with us on this, but we're going to finance it out um, unsecured. Uh, there are some parameters around that, but unsecured for 48 months. So that means day one we install, once you collect rents on that, your cash flow positive on it. Wow. This is crazy. So how are you, I'm so curious. And again, you, again, you have such a good background for this. Like, but what is that pitch to those banks to take a, 
take a take a stab at this like i mean the numbers i guess speak for themselves i'm, I'm assuming they but do. like what is your pitch going into this like you i so, mean i guess maybe it is the conversation we're having right now because i'm sold but can you maybe share some insight as to if you can of course uh, as yes. to what kind of that conversation is like to again a strategic partner and i, I hope your ears are pricking here because this is how a strategic partnership looks like or a structure. Yeah, absolutely. So we, when I went to the banks, I went to three of them, very large banks. And the way I pitched it was I listened to who was in the multifamily space financing because I knew they'd feel comfortable with what I was getting ready to tell them. And so ultimately we found a bank that, uh, that understood multifamily, understood what we were attempting to do and wanted to go out there and talk to some of their clients. So as they started talking to their clients, they realized, you know, and the interest rate's very low for a reason because the dollar amounts need to be low, you know, to make the numbers work. You know, you, you can't get greedy in that side of it. And so for us, what we pitched to the, the prospective banking uh, company was by you doing this type of program, you understand you're going to be talking to ownership and asset management groups. You're going to be talking to a lot of people with us. Have you ever considered that this might open the door for you to be doing more lending in the multifamily front? And that's what sold them. Because what I try to do is be as a servant leader is to say, what is it that you want? What's what in it for you? Need? What's in it for you, right? Absolutely. Always. And so they literally, I, I pitched it to four companies, four of our clients, and they said, yes. So immediately the bank says, okay, that's four companies we've never worked with that now we have of at least a four year relationship with for them servicing the loans and so forth. And what it does for us is it allows us to now open the doors, grease the skids and grow exponentially because no one in the industry of closets, even industrial closet systems finances, anything right now, we would, we are the first. Okay. Are you guys going public yet? I want to buy the stock. What's going on here? No, no, <laughs> no, but we're going to be looking for investors. We are looking for investors because it's scaling at such a rate that, you know, it's, 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 you know, lots of material, lots of people, but uh, yeah, I'm actually, I haven't even talked about that publicly uh, looking to get investors on board. That's amazing. I mean, we're, I'm rooting for you and I'm going to be buying Thank you. this. I'm going to be pushing this hard, man. This is amazing. I, you brought this. Seriously, I'm, I'm like, guys, I'm jumping up and down here. If you can't hear it in my voice, this is like, I can't even stand still. Seriously, this is fascinating. A true practitioner in the lab. We got to get you a white, a few white coats there. Uh, Cause I mean, you're, you're, you're the embodiment of this brand. This is amazing. I haven't made doctor yet. I haven't made doctor yet. <laughs> no, we I'm working on it. The week. <laughs> I don't uh, look, you're the, the doctor, doctor closets. That's what you're going to call you. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that sent out to him. Right. We should, yeah, we should do that. Um, yeah. Listen, I, I want to ask, like, this is a, I, I could have you here for hours and, and I can't thank you enough for your time, but you know, I do want to ask you rapid fire questions because how your mind works. I, I just see it. I, I got to ask, you know, what, what resource, have you tapped into recently? Is it, it could be a book articles that you tap into maybe frequently that is a good resource or a good book that you uh, care to share with the audience? So uh, a couple. So one of the things that, um, that I'm a big believer in is staying a, a lifelong student. That's hard when you're an entrepreneur, you're busy, you're running your companies, you got your family, you, you, you're trying to take a moment just to breathe. So for me, podcasts are really important to myself podcasts like this that educate and do deep dives. 
So one of the ones is Masters of Scale by Reed Hoffman. Ooh, Reed, yes, if you're not familiar with Reed Hoffman, found co-founder of LinkedIn, yep. partner at Greylock, big group, smart guy. Another one is My First Millions. Um, they're a group of young guys that are entrepreneurs, Sam and them. And they, they created the hustle and trends. If you're familiar with the, any oh, of those yeah, publications, yeah. Okay. they've got it out there. So it's, it's raw and they come up with ideas and they spit fire real quick. So it, it, it's just interesting to hear these different kinds of concepts from a book point of view, yeah. blitz scaling by Reed Hoffman's a good one. It's about mm. how to grow your company really fast. Uh, another one that I pick up every couple of years is traction. Yes. Traction's about processes. And US. folks, if, if, if you're wanting to scale, you want to replicate who you are, you have to figure out a way to do that. And Traction and The E-Myth Revisited is another great one. Older book, totally practical these days even. What was that last part? Yeah, it's totally practical these days. It's oh, still absolutely. practical. Oh, yeah. yeah no. Oh, you, are you talking about The E-Myth? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, it makes sense with how you've been able to scale. I mean, it's just fascinating. I'm, uh, I'm going to look deeper into those other companies too. I'm really excited that this is awesome stuff. What, what, what habit do you think serves you best, uh, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, Jim? So that's a good, a good question. So one that I've used for probably 20 years now. <clears throat> so something we do is we call the stand-up meeting every day. I go around the room to my leadership or as a small company, you're going around to all the employees in a stand-up huddle, it's a 10-minute stand-up huddle. Scrum. And we ask us, huh? Scrum. Totally scrum. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly <laughs> oh, yeah, right. this guy. This is insane. This is insane. We do the same thing. That's amazing. So Agile scrum stand-up. Yep. Yep. From a scale from 1 to 10, where are you today? Very first thing is it's really important to know where your people are, where their mind is. So the very first thing I say is scale from 1 to 10. If it's below a 7, we're going to kind of pull you aside and say, what's going on? Ruben, can I talk to you? Can I help you on anything? Is it personal, you know, they can volunteer if they want, or if, is it professionally and what can we do to help? Then it's what, what are your big rocks today? What are your small rocks? What are the mm -hmm. big challenges you're dealing with? What are the small ones? And it's a way for everyone in the departments to go and talk real quick and ascertain, well, these are my big ones, and but I'm held up because of purchasing over here. Or I'm, I, I need manufacturing to do this. And it's a way to communicate very rapidly, disband, and them hit their departments and run and run fast. And so we're hitting that by 8.15. We're all on the same page and we're, we're singing from the same book. <clears throat> Love it. Love it. What is, a, what is an application or maybe a, a, a software or anything that you feel is, man, you can't live without that or that's <clears throat> really um, uh, contributes to the successes of yourself or your team? So... Um, couple um from a business practice a large scale business practice it'd be an, uh, an erp so uh, um, a resource planning software of some sort which is if your listeners don't know it's basically like an operating system like microsoft is to the computer uh or or some of those it's what it is for a company that's especially manufacturing and got a lot of moving parts and scheduling and all this. Is that proprietary? You guys use like a third party that we would know of by what? So you, yes. So we use, we use Oracle NetSuite. Oracle. Wow. We use, <clears throat> we use one with some horsepower because of the yeah. complexities. Yeah. The big boys so, is that. Yeah. Just is, so you guys know. Oracle. They, they're I mean, big boys. Yeah, yeah. And they've gotten more affordable. <laughs> that's the other thing. Yeah. They've gotten, they've got more of a cloud-based solution now. That's much more yeah. affordable 
than the big multi-million dollar rollouts it used to be. So yeah. they've, they've caught on to the whole Salesforce model. I was just going to say Salesforce. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. They created that world. And so mm. they, they've done a great job of that. Um, for myself personally, uh, I don't have it over here right now, but I always have it near me. I use a daily planner. I'm still old school. So I write down all my priorities at the end of the evening of what the next day holds. I check my calendar set and I stay, I organize my day, you know, if not minute by minute, pretty close because it's critical that I'm disciplined and I hold myself accountable. And then what I do is next to that, I, I always have a, a similar theme. I go with the whole Jeff Bezos theme, which is what are the three to five things I'm trying to achieve today? And I try to be very focused on what are those three to five big things I'm trying to achieve today and how do the actions I'm doing tie into that? Are you using the Clear Habit Journal? No, but I've heard about it. Okay, which one? Are, which one are you using, man? Give me, give me I'm using a notepad, a yellow, a yellow yeah. notepad, legal pad that I've used for years. But I will look into that. Actually, oh, I'll make powerful. a that myself. That's powerful. I, we we did a little campaign for. I don't know if you know David Osborne. Oh yeah, um, I've heard of the name. Yes. Yeah. So my agency did. He's a founder, of Keller Williams, or one of the co-founders. Um, yeah. And with Gary Keller and all that, and he, we did a, a marketing campaign for him. It was like goal setting because my agency does that. And I got an inside look and he used the clear habit journal. And I thought it was really powerful because one of the things that he says I was using, I've been using it for two years now, but one of the key things, I'll leave a gem for you guys. I, I was saying this in a clubhouse today is a lot of us will set like, Oh, I got to do this four times a week. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but what happens is, you know, life happens and you do something like three times a week, let's say it's working out and you're like, oh, what you've, what you've done is you've conditioned yourself that it's okay for you to miss out on that That's workout. Right. But what he does instead is he'll do it like quarterly or monthly. I got to work out. Let's say if you're breaking up a month, you got 30 days a month. I got to work out 18 times. Now what happens when it gets to the 23rd and 24th, you can go overdose, right? You can literally do like, I'm going to work, work out in the morning and evening. Cause I got to make up for that number. And I, I like, but you I need know, to keep that number KPIs. Right. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's right. such a better way to look at it. Like you can do that with your goals and your family. Like, Oh, I got, I got to date with the wife or, you know, or, or the kids, I got to spend X amount of time. And if you end up being on, you know, traveling and you can make up for those days. And I thought that was so fascinating. Cause we, we don't always track that way. And so I, I got that from him and use the clear habit journal as well. So I thought I'd leave that little gem to the listeners and who, who knows, maybe Jim, uh, maybe you might find it interesting as well, but if anything, I'll be tapping into what you're doing. And if the listeners are, you're, you learn from the practitioners. It's just a, it's just so nice to see that how, how it comes full circle. Absolutely. 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 I, I, it, it holds you accountable because that's the biggest challenge for most entrepreneurs who's holding us accountable. And that's another thing actually I'll, I'll speak to real quick, mm -hmm. having either a coach or a peer group, I think has been one of my big successes. And if you're not familiar with those, go look those up. I'm not talking a life coach. I'm talking about a business coach or a peer group Masterminds. of peers. Yeah. Like masterminds group, a masterminds group. I meet with one every once a month and I meet with a coach once a month. And it's all about keeping me accountable, both personally and professionally. You know, are you giving enough time to your family? Are you giving enough time to business? What are you doing? Because, you know, we can get complacent, you know, or go, go and listen to our own, what I call head trash and go, uh, you know, we did pretty well last month. Don't need to, I think I step off the gas, you know, we're okay. Mm -hmm. We'll hit the break a little bit. I'll take a couple of weeks of vacation time. And I always tell people, and you heard me say it before our call, hit the gas and never let off Yeah. ever. 
Jim, Jim, who's, who's, who's just so if someone's listening, how do you identify who the right coach for you is? Because in your case, for example, you got, you went to insurance, you went to tech, you went to real estate. So do I find a coach that's in my industry? Do I find a coach who maybe is not? And, but again, this is why I believe they should have done what you want to do. That's just what I believe you may do this differently. So they they definitely need to be either retired executive or they, they needed to be someone that's lived and walked that walk. Um, uh, for myself, uh, my coach personally, Robert, he worked in manufacturing. Uh, that that's a nice nice to have. So it helps in that case. But the peer group is diverse, and so the peer group is where I learned most of my stuff from. And the, if I'm looking for a, a coach, I'd be looking for someone that's been in the industry, and you really want them to be offsetting some of your 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 uh, maybe what we call weaknesses or, or things that you're not as strong in. So for me. I, I don't like finance a lot. So, you know, Robert's got a little stronger background in finance. So we can talk about something if I need to. For my peer group, uh, the peer group, and there's a lot of them out there. There's different groups like Vistage, Renaissance Executive Forums, which is the one I belong to. Th- they are made up of ownership, leadership, and they're there to sit down and talk to you and understand what your problems are. And, and they, a lot of these work off experience, not opinion. That's the critical thing. Yes. Experience, not opinion. Opinions can be dangerous. On this stuff yeah uh, experience is totally different story I, I love that listen oh my gosh you've, you've given the audience and myself so much value i can't even thank you enough how can we return the favor and follow what you're doing support you where can we find out more about what you are doing jim and closets uh, your your main baby right now uh where can we find out more about you LinkedIn. So I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. So you can find me Jim Monk, M-O-N-K. Uh, you can look us up closets uh, on the website as well. Uh, that's uh, C-L-O-Z-Z-I-T-S at www.closets.com. Um, I'm not so much of a social media guy personally, uh, but uh, LinkedIn is one that I, I'm. you can find me on. You can also reach out to me, Jay Monk, and that's J-M-O-N-K at closets.com. I'd love to talk to your audience. And if you're just an entrepreneur trying to figure out something, by all means, reach out. Because uh, I would say I, I was not fortunate to have mentorship until I was probably in my 30s. And I, I'd wish I had that where I see other execs today. I go, wow, they, they have it. They're just so much more powerful than me and what their knowledge and thoughts are. And um, but I've been very blessed in that sense, too, to have great people around me. Jim, we are so blessed to be, uh, you know, part of your network and, and an extension with with this uh, uh, podcast. And so we do not take it for granted. Uh, one last thing I'll ask: I mean, you've got so much fire in your in your you know in energy here. Like, what's what do you think is next? I mean, it seems like you have so much more to do. What what do you think is next for you, Jim? And you know, and and when I say Jim, is because you know this wasn't your first exit. You got closet. You know, do you see mm-hmm. forecast anything? What else do you want to do, Jim? Like, what else do you see as, as it's coming up so, for you? So, I think there's a lot of millennials that are coming up with brilliant ideas that need mentorship, and I'm at that right age. I think you know I'm in my early 40s. So for me, I think with experience that that getting involved with some of those companies, helping mentor, I haven't had that ability yet. And it's mainly because of timing, but I see that happening. I also see myself getting more into philanthropic stuff. I've got teenage kids. So focusing on them as well is important. Um, so, you know, those are the things that I think are most important. And I will say this, I've been down the, the path of exits 
And it really is the journey that's the sweetest part of it and the people you meet. The exit is not quite as what, what you think because you're really giving yourself, you're pulling yourself out of a job. You become, you become unemployed at some point, basically. Yeah. yeah, you may have a decent sized bank account, but when your identity is so tied to something, it's like losing a good friend. It's uh, tough. I, and so uh, for me, I love being in companies because I, I just love being in the company and the, the DNA of those companies, the fabric of those companies. So I see myself more involved in that type of stuff and being on boards of directors and stuff. I've been asked, but I think I'm getting to the point in life where I have to go, okay, now's the time. Yeah, no, that, and look, we're right at the top of the hour, and I respect your time, but I cannot ask not ask you this. Uh, I don't know if you are you familiar with Roland Fraser. Yes. Okay, he's a big like uh, acquisitions business guy, and I actually looked joined one of his challenges because that's one of the things I'm really passionate about is buying business as well. But and and the reason I say that is like you know you build something, I'm like, can I really walk away from this? Like this is amazing what we've built. And then it's like, but at the same time, he's talking about acquiring other businesses that maybe let's say ERP, right? Like software, software as a service. And Absolutely. I was just thinking if that ever you've built so many companies, I'm just so curious if that's ever on your your radar of like acquiring vertical integration. Like, I'm just curious as how your mind ticks. Is that, has that crossed your so, mind? So there are a couple, particularly with closets where we think there could be some add-ons even. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd want to do that from an acquisitions point of view, because once you build out the, if you think about it, once you build out the conduit, uh, you know, and you're getting your people in there, let me give you an example, a simple example. And this is not it, but let's say our apartment uh, client said, you know what? We really need someone that can change out all the doorknobs. We already have the conduit. We have installers. We teach them how to do doorknobs right there. Or you buy a company that's making doorknobs and you circumvent everyone else oh. and you put it down the, the conduit, the, the channel, the, the yeah. infrastructure. But that's a, that's a simple example uh, of some things that we're really kicking around. I think the biggest thing for us is building out the network. You know, our proc weighs a lot. So we have to have multiple warehouses. So we're looking in Phoenix right now. We're looking in Houston. We're looking in Orlando for places to house our product. As in, you know, because shipping it from Dallas doesn't make sense. There you go. There's the, how the brain works behind Jimmy. It's so really cool that, to, to hear that. I'm going to be following closely. I think everybody else should follow closely. If you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel. We'll have everything in the show notes. We'll include that in there. Jim, thank you so much for being in the lab. And just like that, my friends, we... If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show and your own host, Ruben Kanya, and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, Social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, Invested Talent can help. Simply go to investedtalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's investedtalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. 
You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it. Now, if you know anything about the lab, you know that we like to give practical advice. So if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes by going directly to the podcast app. From the show's page, scroll all the way down and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Lastly, and most importantly, share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most. Remember, there's a you and I in build. Let's build, y'all.